Hi there. Welcome to Founder Sessions, the podcast where we get a real look into the lives of startup founders. I'm just going to address the fact that my name is in fact not Carl Murray and is in fact Alex Ventese. I'm the new lucky host who gets to experience the startup stories and founder frankness on this podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking to Sadesh about his business, Sportfin, and we get into a really interesting discussion, I think, about community health impact through sport and what it means for so many communities around the country to have access to better impact reporting through data. Quickly, before the episode, I'd like to shout out Northstar Ventures. It's a VC firm investing in innovative solutions to help solve the most pressing societal issues we have today. They're a pre-Series A investor, sub £1 million, and focus on building long-term relationships with their portfolio clients to see them through to their exit. I'm really excited for you to hear my conversation with Sadesh, so I'm going to get out of the way and hope that you enjoy this episode. If you do like it though, please give us a follow on whatever platform you're using to listen to this on. It really helps me out. Thanks very much, and enjoy. Hello. Hello. It's nice to see you. Yeah, nice to meet you again. I was going on a run this morning and I was reflecting on like the first time I met you at the Ignite Accelerator event, uh-huh. or it was the Precede Accelerator back then, and how much I was kind of struck by your passion for something that I'm really passionate about, mm-hmm. how much I really believe in your mission. So could you tell us a little bit about what Sportfin actually does? Yeah, sure. I mean, as you, as you kind of touched upon there, um, we are a team of sport enthusiasts, researchers, some of us new technologists, um, and our, our mission is to help preserve and grow the community sport assets we have, because mm-hmm. we truly do believe that sport generates tremendous impacts in our communities and for individuals, as you, you've just mentioned there with your own experience. And so yeah, um, I've, I've got a sporting background, impacted the way my life has turned out and the way I interact with people and the kind of person I wanted to become. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're really passionate about preserving community sport assets. So essentially that's what Sportfin does. We we wanted to figure out a way to um, make sure community sport organizations are more financially sustainable and resilient. And what we came up with was if we can uh, find a way to automate um, the way they quantify their impacts and uh, are able to easily show people, show funders um, what kind of impact they're having in their communities and for individuals, yeah. um, it might get easier for them to get money from funders. Um, and we did a bit of market research around it. We found that actually funders will be likely to put in three times as much money if they could have that constant feed of data as to who's getting impacted in what regions and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, wow. And yeah, so that's how Spofin started off. Um, I did a piece of um, research looking at what impacts uh, participating or volunteering in sport correlates to um, and, and worked on building a data model that can, um, okay, if, if you get impacts about, uh, inputs, sorry, uh, about who's participating in what activities within an organization, we can correlate, the model can correlate that to, okay, it's possible that they've hit uh, these impacts within physical health improvement, uh, mental health improvement, social social capital development, that Mm. sort of stuff. And using that data to then give access to various data visualizations for sport clubs 
um, which they can basically embed anywhere, their websites, crowdfunding posts, um, and also give them template uh, auto-generated impact reports, which they can just attach to their funding applications. So yeah, that's essentially what Spoofin is right now. Wow, it sounds like quite a project to me. As someone who has you know, worked in startup a little bit and dealt with data-based startup, it's a massive job to create a SaaS platform essentially uh, for this stuff. Um, and I'm wondering how you got started down this road. Um, so initially, um, when, when I wanted to start helping, so my background, uh, I've, uh, I've volunteered in sport a lot, uh, helped yeah. organize leagues, refereed, worked in governing bodies of sport. And after I graduated from uh, university, I wanted to do something to help sport clubs. Initially, it started off as a, well, I'm going to start a consultancy that helps them um, with their funding applications or, you know, refining their business processes. Yeah. But quickly, I found out that uh, community sport clubs or um, your unincorporated associations are not your regular businesses. They they're not chasing profits. Yeah. All they want is to make sure that they're able to deliver their activities and they're able to engage their community as far as possible. Mm. Um, and that's where I sort of figured I need to find a way to help them gain money, which is different to what general businesses do. And uh, that's when I started looking at the impact side of it. Yeah. Um, and that's when my research started. Um, and the data model, how it came about, um, I don't really remember actually, it just, it just clicked when I was doing the research. Um, and it was, I guess, I guess it came from a few pieces of research I was reading uh, around financial sustainability of uh, community sport clubs and around uh, social return of investment in sport. Yeah. Um, and I guess actually it came all together when I was doing a, a summer job with uh, this charity called Street Games mm -hmm. um, and they were delivering this project called uh, Newcastle's Best Summer Ever um, the whole aim was to use uh, one activity morning and evening um, so kids who are on free school meals can turn up and have their free school meal in the middle because yeah. shockingly during those sick um, six weeks holidays mm, um they get their free school lunch yeah they, they they don't get their free school lunches and apparently 73 percent of those kids go hungry and 73 73 percent yeah oh my god and so that was the whole um purpose behind the project yeah and it so i was part of the um, impact measurement team in that project and i guess it, it all gelled in then mm -hmm. um and building the SaaS product side of it. Um, the idea was there in my head. I could, I could see, okay, if, I've, if I have real-time access to data, I can give real-time impact reporting services yep. with this data model in, in the middle. Um, to start off with was, okay, I need to find developers. I need a lot of money, yep. that sort of thing. Um, and did you have any yeah. experience with development before that? Absolutely none. Absolutely um, none. Absolutely none. And well, once, so I found, I found a bit of money through the Arrow Project from uh, Newcastle University and I did a little uh, friends and family round to match it. Mm. Um, contracted a development um, um, firm to build out our MVP. Mm. Um, 
didn't necessarily work out that well. So that's when it I started to learn development because I felt like this is not moving. I need to like give my input as well. Yeah, well, I was gonna say like yeah. I just remember walking in and, and seeing you coding something that looked amazing to me. And then you showed me a demo. I think we were in the Flow workspace. Yeah. And you blew my mind with the fact that you haven't done development before. Just telling me that now. Yeah, I mean, um, to be fair, I guess, um, I guess I was driven by the fact that I had put so much money in and I needed yeah. something. And also, to be fair to the development firm, it was quite a complicated project to yeah. pull up. Um, there was my research work that I had already done, and I was asking them to build something on the back of that research work, yeah. which meant they had to learn my research. So there was a bit of a race going on. Will I finish a learning development before they finish learning my research? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so initially I wanted to learn it just to build out the um, the, the correlations part of it. Okay, we, we're collecting data the, through a club management software. Um, that bit, brilliant, that was built out. Now, how do we get from there to, okay, an auto-generated impact report where the visualizations update in real time? Mm -hmm. So that was the challenge. Um, that was like, if I could just do that bit myself, the project gets over the line. And that's where it started off. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short. But then that's like a skill for life, isn't it? I guess that you're really embodying the, the founder spirit of learning something instead of necessarily always having to farm it out to someone else, which is one of the things I love about it. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess so. I mean, I don't want to beat my own drum, but um, I guess... <laughs> no, it's okay, when, you can do that. <laughs> when I, I, I guess the real, found, real founder spirit is when you're sort of pushed into a corner and sort of giving up, you fight and try to find solutions, yeah. and you manage to get out of it. Um, Actually, not just the founder spirit, that's the sporting spirit as well. Yeah, um, I was wondering, so yeah. like that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you just now about um, that's kind of the founder spirit and that's like the business side. And I was wondering if this is a mindset that you've always had um, from a young age or if this is something that you found. It's not something that I've always had. It's something that I developed when I was a part of that team, that yeah. coaching structure where regardless of how bad you play, um, you don't give up, you keep trying, you keep putting the effort in. If you're, if you're crap at a game, go into your training, um, work harder to find different solutions, figure out where you've uh, done wrong and um, try and fix it. Uh, that's where the mentality starts building. And I guess it touches upon um, sort of the, the educational capability impacts that we report on uh, in terms of how um, so uh, the, the um, academic aspirations or the want to achieve higher that some young people develop through being part of a sporting team or being uh, engaged in some sort of um, high level of sporting activity. Mm. Um, there is research that, that has found that those individuals tend to want to achieve more. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, sport, Sport has what has built that sort of mindset in me. Yeah, it's got a massive translatable skill set, I guess. What was yeah. your first sport, sporting love, if you like? Oh, football has always been football. Yeah. Uh, uh, football's ruined my body, actually, because uh, <laughs> I was extremely... Um, one of my coaches used to always say there's two kinds of players. Yeah. One, play, 
one set of players who know their limits and they sort of play within it. The other <laughs> set who are like, I can reach just a little bit extra yeah. and they always end up getting injured. <laughs> oh, so you're the type two then? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, uh, I've broken my right arm about three times, oh. mm, done both my ACLs, um, had a terrible back injury, but you know, that, that's part and parcel of sport, I guess, after you cross a certain um, intensity level. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's always been football. I still play football recreationally, massive football fan. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. <laughs> what team do you support then? Oh God, uh, Manchester United right now. Uh, <laughs> still rebuilding, but it's been a, yeah, a painful few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if Ronaldo is the magic dust in Manchester at the moment. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't look. I'm, I've been a massive Ronaldo fan since I was a kid. Mm. Um, so. And he did pretty well last season, despite all his critics. And also, I think a lot of people discount the um, the effect motivation and confidence has on how you play. Yeah. Um, so look, like I don't the mean, mental side first. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, everyone has a mental limit, and if you break it, they're not going to play the way they play. Mm. Um, so if you're that type of football player that kind of pushes themselves to reach just a bit further and then gets injured, is that something you translate into the rest of your life as well? A little bit, yes, a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> it, it does make me less, a little bit less risk averse. Um, and I guess that's something you need as a founder. Um, yeah, totally. you, if you want to do new things, you've got to be willing to take some risks. Um, I guess the the skill there is to figure out which risks to take and which risks not to take. Mm. And well, that only comes through like getting hurt by risks you've taken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I think that's a really interesting part of being a startup founder is that it's not necessarily for the timid people that want to avoid failure. It sounds really cliche now to talk about failure and stuff because I feel like every startup podcast sent up on that kind of topic. Mm -hmm. But it's true that you only really learn by messing up and, to, and getting the wrong product and then talking to more people and them not liking it and finding out the outline of the right thing to do. So I guess bringing it back to Sportfin, how do you see Sportfin changing this year? What are your sort of planned risks that you've got in your head? Well, um, we've been we've been testing out with a few early adopter clubs, and what we've uh, learned is that the big barrier once they come onto the platform um, is the initial setup where they have mm. to input data about the activities they've delivered or are going to deliver, yeah. um, get their members on board, or add data about their members so they can correlate that they can match it up to okay they've. Uh, participated in this activity or they've volunteered in this activity mm. so this is a big piece of development that we've been doing and very close to launching it um, and that's where you just import data from the existing CRM systems or if they could generate a CSV file they can uh, add on that data so that initial setup from being two weeks long is it could gets cut down to a few minutes oh, awesome. um, and that's that's the big new change that's going to come a, a change that's already come um, initially Spoofin was just generating that one template um, impact report mm. uh, instead of that now we uh, give customizability to the club so 
individual data visualizations uh, as cards which they can filter, customize, embed into whatever they like. They can create their own impact reports. Um, but then they also have the different template impact reports, which they don't have time, they just download and send through. Yeah. Um, so there's evolution that comes with listening to uh, customers. The sort of stuff we learned about in Ignite, I'm still in that yeah. sort of feedback loop of customer uh, discovery, customer validation. Yeah, so, and yeah, it can be so painful sometimes when someone talks about a feature that you considered and said no to or mm -hmm. something like that. Or if someone says something and you go, oh, I don't think that's going to be right. I don't think that's the right fit. But then you end up trying it and loads of people like it. <laughs> but I guess it's that learning to own uh, someone else's suggestion sometimes is quite useful because people suggest stuff all the time, but they don't yeah. necessarily do it. Yeah, one of the things I also found is uh, when feature requests come through, they're quite utopian. It's like, mm. it'd be so cool if you could connect to all these different platforms and I'm just sitting there go, yeah, it will be cool. It's just really difficult to do, yeah. um, especially as a startup with not that much uh, development resource. Yeah. Um, but again, I guess in that scenario, it goes back to prioritization, which risks you take and which risks you don't take. Yeah. But also, how do you manage that relationship with that customer? Yeah, because um, so part yeah. of being a founder, right, is kind of selling the utopia and saying, oh, you know, yeah, we could do that. We could make this happen. And then picking the best utopia, the one that the most people are interested in and trying to make that. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the advantages we do have is that if they are engaging with you, and if they are coming with utopian ideas, you could say, this is possible, just stick with us, we'll get yeah. you there, because we will listen to you and Amazon or some other SaaS product will not be listening to you. Yeah, so exactly. that, that is a little bit of an advantage you can use. Um, yeah, and I do think, <clears throat> as a technologist, I, I look at Sportfin as a nice vindication that we can use this kind of mechanism for positive change, rather than just people getting lazier and lazier. Mm -hmm. which I think is how some people now view technology and advancement in that area. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, definitely there is, there is tremendous potential for positive change um, through various different technologies that exist. Um, it's about just, um, I, I, guess, I guess, positive change is not easy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of complexity there. Um, well, pure positive change is like almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess you you need people who are driven towards um, accepting that complexity and going through it anyways. Yeah. Because the end result is something that is desirable, not just for yourselves, but for your wider community. And I'm going to, going to go back to sport and the way it has influenced my life um, yeah. because that's that's the sort of that's where my mindset has come through, where I don't just think about myself. You think about people around you, your community mm -hmm. around you. And that sort of thing has developed in me because I was part of a team. And no matter how good or bad you are, mm -hmm. um, you've got to learn to work with other people. Otherwise, you're not going to win. You're not going to excel. You've got to figure out how you work with others. You've got to think about others, their motivations, their confidence levels. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> To, to make sure your team wins. And I guess that translates on to when you're in society, in community, to build that awareness of community, um, build awareness of other people. Um, so I guess that has been a real influence in terms of, okay, I wanted to, if I'm doing something, I wanted to do uh, it for positive change in communities, rather mm. than just for myself. Yeah, that's a really good point. I um. 
I guess one of the things I wanted to ask while you were saying that is, what's your favourite kind of story so far in Sport Fin? Well, uh, one of the cricket clubs we engage with, um, they, well, they're not cricket organisation, sorry. Um, mm. They deliver activities for um, older people. Yeah. And um, one of their stories was quite uh, inspiring. Um, a lady who's never played cricket um, and kind of despised her husband who loved cricket yeah. comes at the age of uh, 65 to play cricket with her husband and <laughs> absolutely has a ball. So those sort of stories were really heartwarming to hear. Um, well, one uh, a community football organization in Somerset um, we're working with uh, managed to get a, a pot of money uh, more money through there because they were using our software. Um, there's a lot of potential around. We're speaking to a few um, football clubs about um, the the um, consult consulting uh, that the government's doing about ownership of football clubs and yeah. how it impacts communities and if football organisations should be more community driven mm -hmm. and what that future looks like. Um, and how that correlates to measuring of impacts and fundraising based on that and all the other social investment solutions we're, we're thinking of uh, doing. So a lot of interesting conversations going on there. Um, but I guess for me personally, the biggest thing is actually look, um, looking at people using it and seeing that data being generated and, well, clubs using the software and getting something out of it is the biggest sort of um, thing for me. Because it, it strikes me from my own experience that sport for me has always been that final barrier between me and loneliness in a way. <laughs> where like th we live in this society where loneliness is almost like the, the modern epidemic. And sport is, is kind of a nice barrier because it forces you sometimes to spend time with people even if you didn't think you needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just know a lot of people that are very bad at telling in themselves when they're lonely. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're left to our own devices, sometimes that just happens. And so I think it's really impressive what Sportfin is doing because you can't necessarily measure those kind of impacts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, actually, we don't, we don't claim to measure those sort of um, very hard to measure things. Um, yeah. What we essentially do for those sort of um, social impacts or mental health impacts is related to research, uh, more um, stronger research control studies um, that have found that in similar situations, people with similar characteristics have eventually gone on to make more connections, build more stronger bonds. Um, that's what we report on, instead of saying this has happened for sure. Yeah. Um, and we, we eventually want to get there. Um, and How deep is that field of research? Um, <coughs> Well, there is a lot of research, dates back to the 1950s, mm -hmm. um, but most of the research has been in uh, physical health impacts, yeah. um, how it reduces risk of cardiovascular diseases or um, in some cases reduces risk of cancer, um, reduces, uh, sorry, improves your, um, sorry, uh, reduces risk of all-time, uh, all-cause all mortality, yeah. um, that sort of stuff is a lot stronger. Um, research around how um, engaging in sport activities for young people improves their literacy rates, numeracy rates, that is pretty strong. 
in terms of mental health, it's pretty, pretty recent. And when I say recent, it's about you know, five, ten years uh, where it's really started picking up. Mm. Um, research around the um, how, how it develops social capital is still weak in terms of it's majorly qualitative. Yeah. Um, and in, in academic circles, qualitative is ne sort of never really seen as like really strong research unless um, there's a control study on top of it and yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess I guess there's a lot we could do with the data we have in terms of research um, looking at we could we potentially look at uh, we could potentially look at um, how an individual who sort of discovers a sport club through sport fin engages in a few activities um, and other in individuals linked to them um, also form a part of that group. Um, there's there's various different things we can do with the kind of data we collect, yeah. um, and potentially it helps um, build some level of quantification there. Yeah. But for something like social capital or uh, how intensely you build bonds between other people, it it is best all qualitatively. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on Spoofin we also have the this uh, impact stories functionality clubs can use, mm -hmm. um, where they build their own stories, add codes, they can embed YouTube, TikTok videos about oh, um, cool. yeah how they're engaging. It just adds on to that sort of uh, qualitative side. Um, so yeah. What do you think the national trend is at the moment? Can you see a positive picture being painted of the next 10 years or...? Oh, 100%. In, in terms of uh, sport participation? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, there's there's new, new research coming out every month uh, around why sport is important for society. And <clears throat> there's this... Um, there are trials going, around, going on with NHS with... Uh, sport prescribing or physical activity prescribing where uh, instead of prescribing you some drugs they prescribe you to get more active yeah, participate yeah. in sport awesome. um, and so there's there's definitely a, a upward trend towards um, using sport as a tool for um, positive change for individuals and also communities mm. um, if you look at mega sport events now a huge part of the bids uh, includes the legacy program yeah. um, and how the event is not just the event what impact it's going to have after the event is done um, one of the great examples is the rugby uh, league world cup that's going to start on saturday um, i was actually um, in one of their launch events in uh, Sports Central, Northumbria University. Oh, cool. They were they were launching a sports scholarship scheme, um, and I have the privilege of uh, talking to the chief exec of the Rugby League World Cup and talk about um, what sort of um, impact they have in mind. He's talking about the heritage of the Rugby League World Cup, his own background from uh, sort of the areas he came in, and sort of. Um, the, the wider agenda behind the the rugby league world cup um, to um, the, the it's it's one of the very recent events that is having um, games in really small towns as well yeah. um, because it's part of that heritage it's part of that northern powerhouse uh, yeah, yeah. heritage so uh, it's really interesting um, so yeah there's definitely a trend yeah it's so cool to hear like a positive story about it as well I think that's kind of I'm glad you said that because. I was hoping you weren't going to turn around and say, actually, no, all the participation numbers are down and it's all looking quite glum. 
But yeah, I think because sport is all about the story that you tell in the competition, it's nice to hear that it's extending a little bit to be a positive story overall as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although there is there is challenges in there. Um, it's not equitable. Uh, that's one of the biggest challenges in sport yeah. right now. Uh, participation or volunteering opportunities are not equitable. Access to it is not equitable. Yeah. Um, so all the other impacts and opportunities that come with sport is not being accessed by uh, groups uh, or deprived groups of our population. Mm-hmm. And that's a big issue that we need, we need to challenge. And actually, again, one of the big discussion points in that uh, launch event. And it's, it's, it's very good to see, though, that um, it, this is being discussed at a leadership level mm. um, in, in the big sport organizations in, our, in, in the industry. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's great to see Sportfin so well placed. I think to to help kind of find the answers in that world. Um, so I guess my final question is, uh, Sidesh, in ten years from now, <laughs> you're sitting back, very satisfied with the balance of your life, like Thanos at the end of the Avengers. <laughs> what uh, What's happened? What are you doing? That's a very interesting parallel you pulled there. Uh, I mean, Thanos is an interesting character. I, I've always felt in terms of um, um, right intentions were very uh, poor plan on how to execute it. Uh, again, uh, when you don't have awareness of others, that's that. I feel that's how that sort of plan gets developed, even if you have the right intentions. Um, but... Well, in 10 years' time, what we really want to do is um, the impact correlations mechanism that we're building, um, build a score on top of it, uh, which works similar to a credit score. Now, a credit score tells a uh, lender how risky it is to lend to someone. Um, Our score would essentially tell funders how likely it is that uh, various outcomes might be achieved in the future. Now, this is very useful because there are already some social investment solutions like social impact bonds, uh, for example, or community share schemes, um, which are driven by uh, various outcomes achieved by um, organizations. Right now, this is not very scalable because um, the way the impact measurement is done, the way outcomes are agreed upon is being done manually through um, surveys, through case studies through uh, interviews, focus groups, that sort of stuff, which means you have to hire a bunch of consultants to do it and usually just ends up being accessible for really big organizations. Um, Our idea is to, if we can automate impact reporting and estimation of what impacts could be achieved, um, we can take down that big barrier and make uh, things like social impact bonds accessible to small sport organizations or even big sporting events mm-hmm. um, so for example if you think of uh, think of a mega sport event like the Olympics um, there is there's been a lot of studies around um, if the host nation actually gains something out of it oh, um, yeah, based on how much they actually put in yeah um, so something like a social impact bond can really impact that. Um, What's the answer to that, by the way? Does the host nation usually gain any economic benefit? Um, from all the studies that has that have come out recently, um, very little, and only so there are only a few uh, examples. So London 2012 was actually a, a good example mm-hmm. in terms of the rejuvenation of East London. Um, 
and there was there was a um, a, a legacy program that continued, yeah. but after a few years of the Olympics, it did flatten out. Participation rates did flatten out. Yeah. Um, but I guess I guess if um, there is there is the element to how it's being uh, structured, the legacy program, how the event itself is being structured, um, and how much focus is being given to that legacy program, and something like an impact bond. So the way it essentially work is a governing body or government is footing the bill initially for all the revenues come in from the event. Mm. Uh, instead of that, uh, the funding that's needed by this organization is raised from a pool of investors who purchase these impact bonds. Yeah. Now, the reason the investors would purchase those impact bonds is because it's guaranteed by this governing body, plus based on the outcomes that are achieved by the organization, the investors gain financial rewards from the governing body. Benefit for the governing body is, best case scenario, event is able to pay back uh, at least the principal cost, breaks even, um, and all they are paying out is the financial rewards. Worst case scenario, it's it's a little bit more than it would have initially been the cost for them, but it's spread out over 10, 20 years rather than them having to put up the bill up front. I didn't know about this impact bond situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's relatively new again, like 10, 10 12 years um, when since the first one came through, mm -hmm. but also um, a more wider um, impact an impact bond could have is the way the event get then gets structured is fully geared towards achieving social impact outcomes yeah. because that's how they get funded. Sure. And I guess an event that is supposed to um, better a host nation socially, economically, individually should be funded through such mechanisms. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is there is a lot of potential. So 10 years down the line, it would be really nice if if I could actually see a, a mega sport event funded through a social impact bond. Yeah, and so did, did the social impact bonds have any number, like a sort of single number metric, kind of almost like a rating that a stock would have? Um, so it would be more around um, the impact bond is created through an impact bond agreement. Uh, it could be it could be a single outcome that they disburse. Uh, oh, it could be multiple outcomes, and that's the whole idea around. Uh, so if you have a, a mechanism to automate impact uh, measurement and reporting yeah. and also have the ability to estimate impacts or different impact outcomes, uh, delivering impact bonds becomes scalable and yeah, so that's, that's why we want to head to. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for chatting with me, Stesh. No worries. Yeah. Right, thank you so much for the opportunity. No, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I can't wait to sort of speak to you again about sport fin in 10 years and hear about the impact bonds changing the world and stuff. <laughs> it's really exciting. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alex. Awesome.